0: For more information, visit www.novic.co. This episode is brought to you by our partners at GameSight. GameSight provides full-service campaign management, taking charge of consulting, influencer discovery, relationship management, billing, and reporting, leaving you free to focus on your core business. With their measurement platform and creator-focused programs, GameSight helps brands grow increase revenue, and ensure player satisfaction worldwide. And since the company draws from almost a decade of battle-tested experience, including with notable customers like Bungie, Capcom, Ubisoft, and hundreds more, GameSite's attribution platform meets the unique needs of PC, console, and Web3 games. Notably, Gamesite brings display, social, influencer, and affiliate marketing into one dashboard for easy comparison. Marketing attribution for PC and console games is complicated, but whether your game is free to play, premium, or supported by DLCs, Gamesite has you covered. To learn more about how Gamesite has served other games teams and how it can help yours, simply visit gamesite.io. Or check out the link in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Navic Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Nico Vori. We have a great episode for you today. Our topic is the intersection of transmedia IP, gaming, and the metaverse. As metaverses gain in prominence and more gameplay and indeed more social interaction in general happens inside these metaverses, brands, advertisers, and IP owners are, of course, going to want to be there. Wherever there is consumer attention and engagement, there will always be brands wanting to get in front of those engaged audiences. But how should brands engage with consumers in these spaces, these metaverses that are still fairly alien to them? What does a successful transmedia IP strategy look like? How can brands which typically know nothing about gaming or the native interactions and the unwritten codes of conduct of each of these various metaverses, how can they get in front of these consumers? Does every brand need a transmedia strategy? To answer all these questions and more, we have a great guest. Our guest today is Joe Farrens. The founder and CEO of GameFam, a company seeking to unleash the potential of metaverse gaming for brands and creators. I'll let Joe talk more about his background and what GameFam does, but in a nutshell, they work with brands and IP owners to get in front of gamers inside Roblox, Minecraft, and Fortnite. They've worked with the actual gaming IP of Sonic the Hedgehog. They've hosted virtual concerts with artists like the Chainsmokers. They've brought athletes like Neymar and apparel brands like Puma to the metaverse. And most recently, they have partnered with Mattel to bring. Barbie to Roblox. Joe, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. Love the podcast. Happy to be here. Awesome. All right, with that out of the way, let's get right into it. And we always like to start off with our guest background and how they got to where they are today. Can you walk us through your career journey as well as give a quick introduction to what GameFam does?
2: Sure. So I've been in The gaming and pop culture business for my entire career, so a little bit over 20 years now. I started as a graphic designer on sports licensed t-shirts and posters out of undergrad. I went back to business school, interned at Disney, postgraduate internship at uh, Nintendo, two years at Ubisoft, three years at Mattel. Then I went into the startup world about going on nine years ago. I worked on a Star Wars related project. I worked on Subway Surfers, as a consultant for a year. Uh, then I went back to Mattel, where I was consulting on Hot Wheels video games, helping put Hot Wheels into Forza, into Rocket League, into Need for Speed, launching Hot Wheels own mobile games, launching uh, what's become a, a console franchise in its own right, Hot Wheels Unleashed. The sequel just is coming out. I just saw it on LinkedIn. So very excited to have been part of that <clears throat> journey there. And during that time, actually, back in 2016... I became aware of Roblox and I thought this is a really fascinating new platform, a fascinating new type of digital entertainment experience, a new type of video game that no one has ever seen and maybe nobody my age even knows about who doesn't already work at Roblox, which I think was probably the case. And I loved it. And so I started making uh, my first Roblox game. In 2018, in 2019, I started GameFam with the intention of bringing professionalized best practices in live services and content creation to these new platforms. We started with, let's say, 25 players in in the first game that we acquired. And today we have one of the biggest portfolios on Roblox, 150,000 concurrent players across Roblox, Fortnite, and Minecraft playing our games as we speak here on A Monday afternoon, we have licenses with Sega, with Paramount, with Mattel, with the NFL. And we have a huge advertising network that we run where we help bring brands into the space and help them meet their engagement and messaging goals in this new media. So that's a a bit of what we do here at GameFam and how we got here.
1: That is awesome. And what a great background as well. I love the fact that you've been on both sides of the table, actually being an IP owner, and then of course, a developer. And that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the pod today. And I will also echo that the demystification of these metaverses, Roblox, Minecraft, places like that, people our age, yeah, they're, they're kind of a mystery at times. And so I think it'll be really interesting for our listeners today to kind of demystify what is it what does it mean to be in the metaverse? Metaverse either has a positive connotation or sometimes a negative connotation, depending on who you talk to and which metaverse you're talking about. And so we're going to get into all of that and much yeah, more in this great. episode. And congratulations, 150,000 concurrent players right now. Let's just, you know, take a moment. to. Well, that's that that Monday
2: a- afternoon. On Saturday at 10 a.m., we had 310,000 concurrent players, right? That's weekend usage versus weekday usage for you, time of day, et cetera. But yeah, we're having a, a great... We're having a great fall on the back of the PS5 release from Roblox, which has just been massive. And on the back of our Barbie
1: release, which is a huge, uh, huge hit, actually. So very exciting last few weeks for us. Yeah. Fantastic. Congratulations. We're going to get into all of that. But I do. And by the way, we're going to. You throw out some numbers, and Joe, you'll keep me honest and make sure that those numbers are accurate, but some of these numbers that we're going to talk about are going to be mind-boggling to people who haven't actually paid attention to Roblox or Minecraft, but especially Roblox. So let's start with a, a very kind of 30,000-foot view of what is Metaverse Gaming? What is the Metaverse Gaming scene, broadly speaking? Who does it? How would you describe it? Uh, how did it happen?
2: Yeah, sure. I, I'm very excited to speak about this because Metaverse has become a, a very confused word, a very confused part of the industry nomenclature. We have a pretty clear point of view on what a metaverse is here at GameFan. And and, and I, I think the first thing I want to say, if I may step up on my soapbox here for a moment, is that the idea of the metaverse seems to be a bit of a unrealistic notion of how business has historically worked in any business, in any segment, with the exception of utilities, such as water and electricity. There are very few natural monopolies in the market, and that is both by the natural basis of competition as well as by government antitrust regulation. So this idea that there is going to be this big interoperable one metaverse to rule them all It seems almost preposterous to me. And I think we're much better served thinking about metaverse, the idea of a metaverse as a type of media format, the same way that online video or free-to-play gaming is a type of Entertainment format. That is, I think, a fundamental principle that I believe in currently. Happy to be proven wrong, but that is where my head is currently at. And if you look at the landscape, there's clearly Metaverse platforms. There's a metaverse segment. And today that segment is really comprised of Roblox by far the leader, Fortnite making humongous strides and gaining humongous share in the space right now. And to a much lesser extent, I would argue Minecraft. And there's a number of up and coming platforms, right? Zeppetto, dot big bang, the new everywhere platform that is launching that looks incredible. So the whole segment is heating up. And what is a metaverse? A metaverse is, in my opinion, a platform where anyone can create experiences. And so creators make all kinds of different types of games and different types of digital hangouts, concerts, shopping, socialization, education, business meetings. You can do anything in these 3D spaces, right? That's the verse. And the meta is you, your avatar moving across this verse as a singular identity for the most part. To me, this is what it means, a metaverse. Meta is the you crossing things, and the verse is the content. And so I think that those are the metaverse platforms today. And I'm not sure, frankly, here on an industry podcast that covers a lot of topics. For me, I am not sure where the whole Web3 situation got mixed up into the idea of metaverse and how those became conflated between the Robloxes. And Fortnite's of the world and the decentralands and sandbox of the world, I'm not really sure what the similarities really are. They're pretty distinct to me.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I work in Web3, and obviously I host the Web3 segment along with the metaverse segment. And to me, they're also very different. Web3 is a set of technologies that allows you to build metaverses, but they're not the same thing. They should not be conflated with Roblox or Minecraft or Fortnite, which are. Web 2, if you will, metaverses uh, that just don't use that decentralized uh, set of technologies that, that Web 3 enables. So I think you, you answered a lot of what I was going to ask you next, which is uh, what are the up and comers? And I think you, you listed a lot of those, those folks out there. How, how have you seen this space evolve over the years that you've been working there? It used to be that it was just Roblox and Minecraft. Now, Fortnite obviously has opened up their creator program and it sounds like they're uh, seeing a great deal of success there. And there are a whole bunch of others that are that are coming up. How realistic is it to think that all of them can consume the same amount of mindshare or can grow to consume that amount of mindshare as Roblox currently is doing?
2: Well, I think that they all are offering very different experiences. And I think I've used this analogy before. I'll use it again. It reminds me a lot of online video. For a long time, there was only YouTube for short form content, right? And now there's YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok very different types of short form, user generated content for very different types of audiences with different entertainment and engagement needs. I think that this idea of these user generated content gaming platforms where anyone can make stuff, they fill a need for social play, they fill a need for variety play, and they allow for new ideas That could never have existed in a traditional gaming system to come up and find massive audiences. If you look at our game Twilight Daycare, for example, this is a game where you play as either a caretaker or a baby, everyone on the server, every Avatar is a real person. There's no NPCs. There's nothing controlled by, by computers or AI. And you interact with each other and you gain points through doing your role if you're a caretaker, if you're getting your needs met, if you're a baby. It's absolutely delightful. Would anyone in the traditional gaming space have invested in an idea this imaginative and unconventional? I, I don't think that would have happened. And also, how many people have tried it before we got it right before the creator that we hired into the company who made the game figured this out, right? We saw countless attempts at this type of game. So I think that's what UGC Gaming really offers, is just the complete spectrum of human imagination unleashed across story, PvP, roleplay, adventure, any type of idea some of these creators are going to figure out how to make it and make it well. And then it's going to find an audience through TikTok, through YouTube, through platforms where open-minded gaming entertainers are looking for and needing new content to make entertainment from. So the whole ecosystem is swirling and, and kind of pushing with a force towards the future of this medium and through it gaining share from anywhere and everywhere right through linear tv it's dying right it's you ask a 10 year old where they watch something ask a 16 year old where they watch something they're gonna say netflix youtube they don't even know what a network is anymore so the whole world is changing theatrical is changing home entertainment's changing console gaming is changing free-to-play gaming is changing And user-generated content has continued to be an unstoppable force of creativity and engagement uh, in the
1: entertainment space. So what I'm hearing from you, Joe, is a tremendous amount of creativity, energy, essentially creators coming to a c- series of platforms, not just one platform, but a series of platforms that are all enabling different kinds of creativity. And it could be a one-man show, like the, the person you actually to create this, what sounds like a very quirky game to me, but it sounds like it's a real hit with the players. Um, or obviously, you could have big teams producing higher quality, larger, more engrossing content, for lack of a better phrase. So it, to me, it sounds like there's just There's no single metaverse. I buy your argument there. I don't see how there can ever be a set of interconnected metaverses where you can magically walk between the different worlds that are serving very different needs. So it brings me to a very important question here, which I hope you'll indulge me on here. It strikes me that we're at the point in time where there's no single metaverse and we need a collective noun for what a group of metaverses is. And I can tell you that nobody's coined this term yet. So we have an opportunity here. The internet failed me totally. ChatGPT is telling me I should either coin my own term or try something playful. It calls uh, like a multiverse of metaverses, which I'm generally not feeling. So I feel like it's time for us to add the collective noun for a group of metaverses into the Oxford English Dictionary. And Joe, you are the man to do so. I feel like you, you, you deserve the honor of coining this term. It's
2: clearly got to be a meta metaverse.
1: Uh, the meta <laughs> the meta-meta- the metaverse
2: it is, is my opinion. Look, we call, internally, we call it the metaverse industry or the metaverse Segment, but meta metaverse, the meta metaverse is uh pretty self
1: explanatory, if you ask me. All right, there you have it, listeners. You heard it here first. The collective noun for a group of metaverses is a meta metaverse. I appreciate that, Joe. Thank you for being game for that one. Okay, now for a more serious question. Game fam, you're working across multiple metaverse properties. Obviously, you've got Fortnite, Minecraft, of course, Roblox. But I would actually like to focus on Roblox just to give our listeners a little bit of a focus for today's episode. So we're not across all the different places. Roblox is the biggest by far, I believe. What made you decide to build on Roblox? and, And how do you see Roblox differing from some of these other players in the space?
2: So Roblox is the biggest by far, and you can see that on GameFam's website, rowmonitor.com, where it will show you all day long the amount of people playing on Roblox and the amount of people playing on the next biggest metaverse platform, which is Fortnite. I think that the reason we decided to build on Roblox was I was at a point in my career in 2018 where I had worked in Corporate, on the gaming side, I had watched inside of Ubisoft and Mattel as free-to-play mobile, went from being pixel games on a flip phone and not a noticeable part of the video game business to the single largest segment by revenue in the video game business within 10 years. And I was at a stage where I was thinking, okay, I've worked on the NFL. I've worked on Assassin's Creed. I've worked on Star Wars. I've worked on Hot Wheels. I want to try making the stuff myself. I want to try running an original IP. I want to continue working with world-class brands, but I want to be on the innovation side, actually deciding how to make these things instead of just strategizing on what should be made. I want to actually try my hand at making them. I'm a, I'm a career maker of things. I love being hands-on. I love making those difficult calls and bringing as much logic and creativity from both sides of the brain to those decisions as possible. So I knew there was going to be another platform shift at some point in the gaming business, right? There had been the Steam indie revolution, then there'd been the mobile free-to-play revolution and the pace of innovation, the pace of change is so fast these days and I said whenever there's the next thing I want to throw my hat in the ring. I want to be part of it. I want to be a leader in it. And so when I saw Roblox starting to hockey stick up in users and revenue in 2018 and 2019, and no one else even knew what the heck it was, I said, I think this is where I'm going to put a flag down. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And I think we're going to be able to make some really special things here. And that is what excited me, as a creator and as a business person at that point in my career. So that was why we decided to do it. And I think we've been very right. And when I look on Roblox, we're generally somewhere between the number two and number four leader in terms of concurrent users every day as a developer, which is pretty amazing. Three years after starting the company, we're competing with some incredible developer talent that has grown up making Roblox games for 10, sometimes 15 years since the founding of the Roblox platform. To me, what makes Roblox special is uniquely multiplayer experiences. That is where Roblox shines. And if you go on monitor and you look at the top studios of all time, Well, you see game fam, for example, is number three in total visits to our games in in Roblox history. And you look at the other top five. If you look at the top 20, top 30 games on a daily basis in terms of concurrent users, what you are going to see is they are all deeply social in nature. And not only that, but they represent new types of gaming, new genres that don't exist in that same way anywhere else in the gaming space. And that is why Roblox has been so massively successful is it is simply put meeting unmet gamer needs in a way that no one else can. I think where Fortnite really shines is in a totally different set of multiplayer mechanics. Right? Fortnite is arguably the best tech stack in the world for running, jumping, shooting, climbing, building, right? That, that is what made Fortnite the number one game arguably of, of, of all of, of the decade anyway, right? So that is what people building around in Fortnite, people building around the inherent mechanics that make Fortnite special. And on Roblox, you see people building around the inherent mechanics that make Roblox special, which is your avatar, which is your self-expression, which is your socialization with other players.
1: Yeah, I think once you start looking into this, you know, again, we as of a, certainly of an older generation than the the current kids and and teens playing in Roblox, if you start looking at this, you you know, these kids, these teens are the future of the gaming industry. And I do think that they are creating content, creating types of gameplay that we haven't seen in our history up until this point. And they will be now creating, once they get into the gaming industry, they're not just going to be gamers and players, they'll be creating some of these, these games that are based on what they grew up as kids, right? That, isn't that how all game developers essentially get into the industry? You play what you, you know Absolutely. enjoyed as a kid, and then you bring those memories and those experiences that you had, because that's your frame of reference, to the industry and and make more games like that. I think we're on the verge of seeing something maybe in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, certainly where we're going to be seeing games that we can't even imagine right now because of the experiences of the kids and teens who are playing in Roblox, Minecraft, places like that today. Love to hear your kind of reaction to that.
2: I'm a 40 something year old man and I am blown away by the, creativity of the Gen Z creator community across all platforms. I I spend time on TikTok, mostly for professional reasons, although I enjoy it uh, personally as well. And because I do enjoy just being completely entertained and surprised. And TikTok, if you don't like it, move on to the next one until you find something that entertains and surprises and delights you. And I think Roblox is the same thing in a lot of ways. It's a lot of, hey, I'm going to try this. Am I having fun? Okay, I'll stick with it. If not, I won't. And I think that mentality started 10 plus years ago on Roblox. And so a lot of the top developers grew up engaging in gaming in that way, right? Where those of us who are in that, in gen, gen, what is the next gen, right? Gen Y, Millennials, sorry, Millennials. Thank you. They like to be called Millennials. So, those of you know, Millennials and us on the tail end of Gen X, we grew up in a very different gaming environment, right? We had to go to the store, we had to buy a box with a game in it, we had to bring it home, we had to have a friend sit next to us on the couch to play. It's just a whole different world where you can have 30 people in a game, each customized running around, playing together in real time. And I think that if you look at, for example, our Sonic game, which is the number one branded game in Roblox history, by far 200 million visits more than the next game down the list. In that game, you can live out this totally meta fantasy of I'm in one Sonic outfit. My friend is in another Sonic outfit. I'm Sonic Classic. My friend is... Sonic Riders. Over here, we've got Treasure Hunter Knuckles. Over here, we've got Tails from the Sonic film. And we're all doing a race together, or we're all doing a boss battle together. And then over there is some guy just in his normal avatar with a baseball hat and a pair of raver pants on. And everyone is playing Sonic together. That's what really makes this platform so unique and something that people who didn't grow up playing this way They're not ready to vibe like that. It just is a different mentality around what a game is and what the entertainment experience of a video game is. We've been able to adopt it, right? Those of us who are in leadership at the company, those of us who have been in the business for 10, 15, 20 years, who are helping the studio scale, who are building those partnerships with the Segas of the world, we have fully immersed ourselves in this format. We've adopted it. We know if we're having fun, playing one of these games. But I'm going to tell you, Barbie is a huge moment for us. It's our second hit branded game. And it took a long time to not just be trying to interpret these genres, but being confident that we can contribute these genres. And I think we finally have now really crossed that threshold as a studio. We have a SpongeBob game that's in development right now that is the first massively multiplayer SpongeBob game ever made. So it's in beta right now. And you've got a player walking around as Caveman SpongeBob and another player walking around as their normal avatar with the bacon hair, the classic Roblox bacon hair. And then you've got another avatar walking around as Patrick and another walking around as Squidward. And they're all exploring together, playing together, helping each other accomplish goals within the game. But it's not clear what this genre is. If you're not used to these genres, you'll come into this game and you'll be like, how do I play this? What am I supposed to do next? But if you're a Roblox player, you'll come in and you'll be like, this is the greatest version of this genre that has ever been made. That is what a lot of players have been saying to us in the chat. I go in the chat, and I just go, is game good? That's how you talk on Roblox. You don't use <laughs> proper grammar. You just go, is game good? All right? Yes. I do this on all our games. And let me tell you, the SpongeBob game and the Barbie game, were getting responses that were overwhelmingly positive. If, if people say it's okay, that means the game is terrible. Okay? Mm. If people say it's fun, that means the game is terrible. The only thing that will suffice is, oh my God, this is incredible, 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 incredible. So it took us years, though to get to a point where we had the confidence creatively to try to make something incredible. And now we're there and, it, and it's
1: happening. And it's, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah, we're going to get to the, the brand side of things and actually Barbie and and, and any other stuff you want to talk about there in a second. And this is the perfect time to do that. I promised at the start, and so I'm going to do it now, talk a little bit about the stats on Roblox. And Joe, keep me honest here, because I got this from sure. and various other online sources, but it, it looks, it looks legit. So for those who don't, uh, actually play in Roblox, this is this came to me as almost a surprise. I knew kids were spending a lot of time in there, but I just didn't realize how much until I actually started digging into it. Uh, so the time spent by kids and teens in Roblox is mental, <laughs> truly. So according to the study, kids are spending 200 minutes in Roblox every single day. I almost can't believe that, but you're going to tell me whether that's true or not. And that's four times more than in Minecraft, which according to, to at least this study was the, the second one up. And more than in YouTube or Netflix or social media. And so I'm going to put aside what this actually says about our society and the state of modern parenting for just a second. The reason I bring this up is because if kids and teens, which is the next generation of consumers, is spending that much time on an online property, in an online property, then surely that's where the brands want to go to try and capture this engagement. But I think the challenge for brands is it's very hard for them to do in a native kind of true to the the form factor kind of way, because they just don't get it. And so I'm curious to hear from you, what is that mentality of IP owners and brands and advertisers wanting to reach this metaverse audience, this relatively young audience? How has that evolved over time? And is a minute now spent in Roblox worth the same as a minute spent on YouTube or or Instagram or Minecraft? Are brands and advertisers realizing what they have on their hands here? Or is there still some kind of like mystique that they just don't quite get?
2: So the answer is yes to all of it. And I'll elaborate. The, the easy thing, the easy question is, is a minute spent on Roblox worth more or less or the same as a minute spent on engaging on Instagram or YouTube? And to me, the answer is very clear that interactive engagement is the highest form of, of engagement. It requires the most attention and it provides by far the most telemetry to measure, you know, our, our chief business officer, Ricardo Bersenio, who's one of the smartest people I've ever had a chance to work with. He came up with something really sharp as marketers do. He said that advertising on Roblox provides all of the depth of engagement of experiential marketing with the massive scale of digital marketing. I say, wow, that's pretty smart. And I think it's true in terms of how brands are understanding the space. The space is still very new. I think we're seeing a lot of highly innovative brands that are very digitally focused and very Gen Z focused, immediately trying to move into the space and doing it in ways that are really intelligent. And then I think we're seeing a lot of brands that are more... Legacy brands and that don't really understand gaming as a whole, trying a lot of new ways to engage that are not working and not going to work. And and this is a lot like the App Store was in 2010, 2011, 2012, right? Every brand needed an app and every campaign needed its own app and every marketer wanted an app. I think that this is a gaming platform and it runs on entertainment value. And so if your brand can't support a game on Xbox, or couldn't support a profitable mobile free-to-play game. There is no chance your brand is going to be able to support an ongoing live-service Roblox game at scale. It's not. It's incredibly unlikely. Of course, history is full of some surprising, some surprising twists in this. I think there was a, a Pepsi game on the original Xbox or something that that people love because it's so kitschy and hilarious. So there are moments. Where brand, where one in one in a hundred brands can break through and do something really funny and unique. But overall, Roblox runs on the algorithm, and the algorithm runs on long-term engagement. Long-term engagement runs on entertainment value. So to, and and that entertainment value <laughs> exists in a savagely competitive attention economy. So. What we advise brands first and foremost is look, we've got whatever, 200 million plus minutes of consumer engagement, you know, that we can uh, deliver on in, in, in a week. We have, sorry, in a day, right? We have 20 million visits a day, 10, 10 minutes visit on average, right? That's 200 million min- minutes of engagement per day is our current inventory at GameFam. And we have been highly successful. At working brands into that in ways that deliver for the brands and most importantly, deliver for the players. I think a great example of that is our game Super NFL Tycoon presented by Intuit. So, Super NFL Tycoon, you build a NFL stadium, you build NFL facilities, you choose the team you want to represent as. And then, of course, you've got to pay your players, you've got to spend money to build the next thing. And all of that happens through the Intuit suite of products. It's a very organic fit. And the game has a 10 plus minute session length. It's had 10 million plus visits since the Super Bowl. And it's got a 92% player rating. So people love the game. They take the brand integration as a organic fact of this world. And that is the ideal. Now, for a brand like Sonic that is a massive entertainment and gaming brand in its own right, one of the biggest of all time and one of the best of all time, of course, that is a worthwhile brand to invest in on a potentially commercializable basis. But just like any free-to-play game, you've got to execute or it doesn't matter what
1: brand you bring to the space, you won't have an ongoing audience and you won't have monetization. Intuit and Gen Z. Who who would have guessed? (laughs) Interesting. interesting Hey, they're going to
2: have to pay, unless something changes, they're going to have to pay taxes too. But also, I actually think it was a really smart move because this creator economy, there's a lot of 14, 15, 16 year olds who are making An unspeakable amount of money
0: on Roblox, and
2: they they need to they need to keep track of their finances and learn financial literacy. (laughs) And so, Intuit is a
1: great made a great move by getting in front of these Gen Z business people. Yeah, that's actually not crazy at all. Like I, I buy it a lot more now because we said that, Thank you. This not crazy it, at all is what, is, what it says yeah. on my business card. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. We said the next generation of consumers and of course, the next generation of game makers is coming from this world. This is also the next generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders of the future. And yes, of course, they need need accounting software and they need to do their taxes uh, every year too. So yeah, not as crazy as it initially sounds. and, And I actually, I buy it. I buy it. Okay, so you've made a very strong case for brands wanting to get in front of This audience. And in fact, it's almost a given, right? Given how much time and how much engagement is happening in these metaverse experiences, especially Roblox. Now, I I think I want to do the flip side of this. You kind of alluded to this a tiny bit, but what is the benefit for the games in these metaverse experiences? How do they benefit from being associated with these brands and IP owners? Now, again, on the brand side of things, makes total sense. But I would have expected developers who want to put their products and their IP in front of a new audience, wouldn't they rather own their own IP and build that from the ground up, than essentially piggyback off the success of Sonic or the NFL or other brands that are recognizable? Barbie, we'll get to that in a second. So I'm just curious to hear wh- what's the the mutually symbiotic relationship here that is driving this flywheel around.
2: So I think that. This is about overall developer economics and ensuring that there are enough. There's enough value creation throughout the ecosystem to support the teams to make the ongoing highest quality AAA content in the space, and that's where the advertisers really come in for a company like GameFam. Roblox was initially created by developers who were. Not compensated at all, right? The original developers on Roblox, there wasn't Robux, there wasn't an earnout system. That earnout system came online and it was originally meant to make it fun for developers to spend time developing Roblox games and allow people to start thinking about how this could supplement their income. And then over time, because the platform has become so huge in users, the Revenue potential has become absolutely humongous at the upper echelon of the platform. But to make a commercially viable Roblox game that can support a team of professional developers, you still have to be playing in the top, let's call it 50 earning Roblox games to have a true live services team of top quality people and be able to have those people earn at a competitive level within the industry. This is where advertising comes in. There can only be, let's call it 50, 100 games in the top earning segments. And once you get below that, you need to find other ways to supplement the in-app transaction revenue. And advertising is a way that makes a ton of sense for everybody in the ecosystem. Brands want to reach players. Developers need to be able to afford to make high quality content. And players, of course, want that high quality content and they want it every week, refreshed, new exciting so that is where the advertiser revenue becomes so meaningful to professional studios and that is why we had that as a pillar of gamefam from the outset we always knew we were going to build an advertising network in the space and of course we were the first people to do it now we're being, now we're the first people who are doing it on fortnite we were the first people to ever sell a brand integration into an existing Fortnite game. We did it for a horror movie called Talk to Me in our game Dead Pines, which is a zombie survival game. Hugely successful campaign for that film. And this is really the future of media. Brands that are not gaming brands, brands that are not entertainment brands, which is most brands need to reach consumers to make them aware and interested in their offerings. Roblox, Fortnite, these are the new cable providers of this generation. This is, people don't, people aren't watching these Gen Zs. They're not turning on their Comcast box. They're not going to their DirecTV. They're going to TikTok. They're going to Roblox.
1: They're going to Fortnite. That is where brands need to be if brands want to reach today's consumers. Three-plus hours a day for Roblox players. I mean, that you cannot deny the power uh, of that and, of course, the attractiveness to brands and and advertisers.
2: I just want to add, if you go back Mm. 20 years, kids were watching three
1: hours of TV a day after school. Uh, Totally. Yeah, they were watching the cartoons, and they were seeing ads on those, and they were buying their Frosties, and Tony the Tiger is great. I still remember that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, no, of course. This, is, this The concept is not new, right? But what is new is the sheer level of interactivity that's possible, right? Putting somebody, your kids in front of the TV as, as the nanny, that's a very passive, lean-back experience, of course. This is a very lean-in experience, and so it mm-hmm. comes with all all kinds of positive aspects, but it also comes with all kinds of dangers, too, which we're not going to get into now. Uh, that's not the, really the focus of this episode. But I do want to now dive into some specifics around Transmedia IP. Uh, so we want to make this concrete for our listeners. And so we're going to talk about the Barbie game that you guys made. You re- right. recently released it, and uh, you've alluded to it. You've dropped a couple of nuggets here and there. But I want to get the cohesive story here. Can you tell us more about the Barbie game that you guys launched and how it came to be?
2: Yes. So as you, as I mentioned, I had worked at Mattel full-time for three years earlier in my career. Then i had come back as a consultant to help Hot Wheels build out its gaming business. And it's funny to think about it now, but back when I started on that consultation engagement in 2015, Hot Wheels had almost nothing notable in the gaming space for years. And myself and the other amazing colleagues that I had a chance to work with at Mattel were really passionate, about how do we make this relevant? How do we make this cool in the gaming space? And I think we built a humongous track record there over those years and went from nothing to a brand that was generating literally hundreds of millions of dollars in retail business in the gaming. It had its own Xbox console bundle in 2017. So really, just an incredible uh, journey there. I also would love to be part of finding a way to do that for Barbie. I was no longer internal at Mattel, but we loved the Barbie IP. The movie was out of this world. They knocked it out of the park. I couldn't be- believe how much fun I had watching it beyond my wildest expectations. And we wanted to... We thought Barbie was a great fit with the Roblox platform. Now, when we first got the license which was not which was over a year ago when we started on the project as i said we really were still learning what makes a great roblox game and i think if you look at the history of professionalized studios in the space hardly any of them have been able to find commercial traction even with some really impressive ips that have been brought to the space and so with barbie we spent a lot of time strategizing prototyping iterating what should this game really be where does barbie really offer something special in the roblox universe and a lot of people thought oh well it should just be a pure dress up game there's already a bunch of great dress up games and barbie while barbie is an iconic fashion brand what is barbie's iconic wardrobe pieces i don't think that's not what I think of when I think of Barbie, people say, oh, it should just be a pure role-play game. The roleplay genre is very well spoken for in Roblox. But what is so true to Barbie that no other brand in the world can offer is the Barbie Dreamhouse. So after months of prototyping, of designs on paper, of uh, healthy debates between the team, We said house building games are popular on Roblox and Barbie has the most famous house in pop culture, the Barbie dream house. So let's build a game about having your
1: own Barbie dream house. And And if if I can interrupt very quickly, it's so famous that the New York Times did an inter, I'm sure you saw this article. The New York Mm -hmm. Times did an incredible interactive Barbie dream house history that was researched by. I don't even know how big that team must have been and their graphics team. That is how iconic it is. It gets a full-on spread, full-on interactive right. treatment that's at right. the New York Times, right? So yes, you couldn't really pick a better piece of iconic IP that's attached to Barbie than the Dreamhouse. And especially as a father, thank you. 12, thank you. she's 12 now, so she's past the Barbie phase. But she had one of the, the most ginormous Dreamhouses as a Christmas present one year. And she played the shit out of that, let me tell you. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to kind of – it hits so viscerally for me as, a, as yeah. a father of a daughter and a reader of the New York Times to, to see those pieces and just realize, like, how many decades has that survived? It's not just the Barbie brand. It's the Dreamhouse brand, and that's really unique. So, anyway, please continue. I just wanted to add my, my personal Well,
2: and there. I think – no, thank you for that. And I think that's the thing is that character-based brands, story games – that is really not a, a huge genre on Roblox. And despite Barbie being an incredible story brand, having the number one direct dvd series of all time from a sales perspective, at least that's the stat we used to give it, Mattel, having an incredible show on Netflix for the last few years, Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse, and now having a massive theatrical success, that is not what plays at scale on Roblox. And we have learned uh, to play where, play where the game is at. And Mattel was a very patient partner in helping us ensure that we were able to find the right concept here. And then once we decided on bringing the dream house to Roblox, what does that mean from an aesthetic perspective? What does that mean from a a side features perspective? For example, as you build the dream house, you unlock a new piece of Barbie fashion for your avatar every room you complete, right? So we're still paying off fashion. As you build the garage, you get Barbie's Classic convertible. So we're still paying off the idea of Barbie's dream car. And we set it in this beautiful Malibu style environment. But that core of it had to be right. And then we also set out to set a new standard for execution. Whenever we approach a genre, whether that's Sonic as a idle RPG running game or Barbie as a house building game or SpongeBob as a, a collection RPG that we're working on. We set the same benchmark, the same goal. How can we deliver in an authentic way at the highest production values and creativity the Roblox platform has ever seen? How do we raise the bar? If we can't do that as multi-decade professionals in the gaming industry, right, who can? So with Barbie, we scrutinized every pixel of this game for months, every interaction, every angle and corner and piece of furniture in the dream house. And then you got to get ready to launch the game. You got to get ready to launch the game. And it's always it's always an emotional roller coaster launching a video game. If you care, if you love the work you do, if your heart is in delighting gamers and audiences, launching a game no matter how good the KPIs are in a beta, no matter how good your focus group Responses are, you just don't know until it gets out there. We launched the game less than 10 days ago. It's already got almost 20 million play sessions. You know, I see people go on LinkedIn, they go, Our Roblox game hit a million play sessions after its first month. What a huge success. Yeah, that's great. When a Roblox game takes off, it gets millions of play sessions a day. That's a hit Roblox game. It's in the top 20 games on the platform in terms of users right now. And we're just getting started. We have a humongous. Roadmap for the game. We've got new houses. We've got new cars. We've got whole new feature sets coming. And for us to now have, you know, the number one branded game of all time, Sonic, and what will likely become the number two or surpass Sonic eventually in Barbie, it's it's a race where I'm 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 rooting for both contestants. But it's really a special moment for the company to have proven that we can develop as well as these incredible. Gen Z developers who have been doing it for, t- for 10, 15 years, nonstop in their bedrooms at their parents' house, then in their dorm rooms, then in their apartments with their dev houses that they live in, for us to be able to compete head to head with them. Look, these, these young developers are incredible. And we came in from as outsiders, and we set a goal to learn this craft and contribute to it. And we're delivering on that goal, and it's, it feels
1: great. Nice. Well, congratulations on all the success. And obviously, that's a lot of play sessions uh, by, any, by anybody's standards. But I do have a question here about longevity. And again, you're the Roblox expert. I am not. Uh, what I do know about young people is that they have very short attention spans and the hot hotness is, is gone pretty quickly. That's why TikTok is so successful with them is because you can always find the next thing. That's why Roblox as a platform has been so successful is because you can always find these new experiences. So you mentioned you've got some live ops planned for this. I want to ask a kind of a clarifying question beforehand, which is what are the most successful games on Roblox that have had the longevity that we typically associate with free to play mobile games where Clash of Clans is still one of the top grossing games? My goodness me! What thirty? Is it fifteen years now? I can't even keep track. Like at least a decade plus, right? So that success in the free to play, older mid core slash core market. Sure. What sure. does success look like on the longevity front uh, inside of Roblox?
2: Yeah, I think it's very similar, really to to overall free to play and live service gaming. Some genres have an inherent life cycle to them. Those are more of your linear progression genres, right? It's very hard to keep a linear RPG at peak usage ongoing. But it's a lot more achievable to create a PvP game like Clash Royale or Clash of Clans ongoing at scale. So I think we're seeing the same thing on Roblox. If you look at the top games of all time on Roblox, you know, your Brookhaven, Adopt Me... You know, a few of our games that that are in that space, for example, Twilight Daycare now coming on two and a half years at scale, two billion visits in two years. There is no reason that these inherently social games, if they're well made and well serviced, have any kind of longevity duration, right? They're indefinitely serviceable IPs and games exactly the same way as they are at other platforms. Yes, there is a fad element to Roblox. There are games that come and go. But if you show me a game that, you know, and to ask me, is this game going to sustain at scale long-term, I, my hit rate is going to be very high because there's certain genres that there's no reason they should decay and they don't. And there's certain genres that
1: you can see exactly why they would decay and they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's a fair answer. Live Ops, you mentioned, you teased a couple of things and more content. What's the plan for keeping this game live operated? Is the team scaling back now that you've launched? Or are you actually now scaling up now that you're live and you've got some success and you want to see the Live Ops roadmap ramp up?
2: I think when you're looking at Roblox games, they are a lot less horizontally featured than mid core free to play games, right? There are, you can only scale the team up so much. We're far from a world where you would ever want to have a 30, 40 person live services team on Roblox right now. If you have a team of eight, 10 people for a live services game, that really is the upper limit that we've seen be even close to successful and sustainable on Roblox. So on Barbie, we had a a significant team getting the product ready for launch, a huge amount of art needs. In terms of programming, a lot of the features are in place. Now it's really about finding what does the audience want to continue doing from a building and role-play perspective. This weekend, we're launching the Beach House. So you built the classic dream house. Now you can build the dream house. Then you can decide which of those houses you want to equip in order to role play and invite friends over to hang out with you in your digital dream house. With the beach house, we'll have some surfboards that you can paddle around on, on the ocean. We'll have a sailboat you can go in. This is the type of live services we do. every, Every game has a different live services plan. One of our greatest successes is a game called War Tycoon. We call it build and battle. You build a military base, as you build that base, you unlock new vehicles, new weapons. We had 35,000 people playing it on Saturday afternoon. We've more than, I think, 7 x it since we took it over with the original creator in tow. And that game, live services revolves around, a lot of it revolves around new types of war vehicles to earn through events. So every game is different, and every game has a different live services strategy Within the platform, or at least every kind of genre and subgenre has a different live service strategy. With Sonic, it's historically been very much about character collection, right? Which, how many different Sonics can we find? We just launched Classic World as a co promotion with the new Sonic Superstars game. So we have never had Classic Knuckles and Classic Amy in the game. Now you can go to Classic World, run and earn currency in Classic World to earn Classic Knuckles and Classic Amy we had one of the biggest weekends we've had in you know in a few months because that is content that players are hungry for and now we'll be evolving that game into a much deeper collection economy over the next quarter and we're very excited about it. Now we made Sonic in 10 weeks to get started. It was the biggest launch in Roblox history. Barbie's taking more of the the approach we wanted, right? Cracking into the top 20 games in its first week and now we grow it from here with Sonic we had wanted this trajectory. We wanted to start in the top twenty, top fifty, ship, update, deepen. Instead, Sonic blew out the gate as the biggest launch in Roblox history, getting up to be the number two game on the platform in its seventh day out. And we were not fully we were not fully prepared. We made the game in ten weeks to meet the movie date, very high quality, but very small amount quality not quantity, right? Ten weeks mm-hmm. of development times. We've learned from that, and now we're building much longer roadmaps with much more robust launch
1: products as well. So to bring this back to the Transmedia IP strategy for brands and for game developers, it sounds like there's a lot of learnings going on both sides, both as developers learn what works with the audience and brands and IP learn what doesn't work and what does work. And of course, we're still very early in terms of where we are with metaverse gaming, what do you see the future of brands and transmedia IB in gaming being? Does every brand need a metaverse strategy, just the same way that when social media came out, you know, Facebook launched, every brand did need a social media strategy, right? Like they really did, and do to this day. But maybe it's not quite the same as what everybody thought was needed when free to play mobile and the app store opened, maybe the brands don't need to have their own apps (laughs) um, for for every single use case. So I'm curious to hear where you see metaverse gaming land on that spectrum. Is it more akin to, I must have a social media strategy. If my customers can't reach me on social media where they are, then I'm dead in the water. Or is it more like, actually, it depends, would be the answer. It depends on what kind of brand you are, what kind of IP uh, owner you are. So every brand needs a metaverse
2: strategy because this is where Gen Z and Gen Alpha are hanging out. And it's where they're going to keep hanging out. The metaverse segment, these platforms, Roblox, Fortnite, they're going to continue to evolve. Just last week, Roblox opened up on the PS5. And Roblox on Xbox has been a not highly relevant amount of users. Roblox on the PS5, they got the client right. And it is... Massive! I can't believe the numbers we're seeing. PS5 is now our number one platform on a number of our top games. In one week, this happened. So these metaverse platforms are going to continue to be the place where Gen Zs and Gen Alphas want to spend the most of their entertainment time. And the fact is, these 3D environments can eventually accommodate almost everything except for Playing physical sports. You can do so much for entertainment value. You can co watch eventually in these places. You'll be able to sit in a shared living room and all watch the same show at the same time while you're on chat together. So these 3D platforms, there's a reason Meta, despite their challenges in bringing this to life, there's a reason Epic, who are getting great traction, right? There's a reason these huge companies led by, I think, very future thinking CEOs who have been right about a lot. It's the reason that they're betting so big on this space. This is where people are going to be spending
1: their time in the coming decades. Um, We only have a couple of minutes left here. So I want to leave you with this question about the future. I always like to do the future-looking thing at the very end. Uh, What are you most excited by? I can tell by the passion in your voice that you are really all in on this future. And it's very infectious. I'm feeling it too. I know my kids are already, my son is 10, my daughter 12. Daughter's not so much into video games, but my son is. And he's very good at it too, by the way. Extremely good. It's shocking how good kids can be. And uh, I can see that is exactly where they're hanging out, they're spending their time, they're making their friends, they're bringing their real life friends in there too, which I think is a very positive and healthy behavior. What are you most excited by over the next five, 10 years about about the metaverse in particular, and gaming, of course, in particular? Where is it going? And what is the most revolutionary thing you think we're going to see over the next five or 10 years or so? I think that
2: we're going to continue to see the evolution of Roblox and Fortnite games into more and more sophisticated products. If you look at War Tycoon, go Google it on Roamod or look at its growth curve over the last year. It is a totally new style of game. And where are games like that going to lead to? How do we continue to deepen that game? That game had, over the weekend, a 35-minute session length across platforms. That's an incredible amount of engagement. Mm. That's where you get to those 200 minutes of daily engagement, two sessions of that a day, which is the average, that's already 70 minutes a day playing one multiplayer Roblox game. So to see how these immersive multiplayer games will continue to evolve from a product sophistication standpoint, from a place where two years ago, a 12-minute session length was considered amazing on Roblox, and now we're looking at a 25, 30-minute session length to be top of the line right? So the quality is improving. The immersion is improving. The graphics are improving all on Roblox. What will come out of the creator community? We'll continue to do stuff at the highest caliber production values like Barbie and SpongeBob. We'll continue to set that bar here at Gamepad, but we'll also continue to partner with the creator community when people have something incredible on their hands like War Tycoon and they need That professionalized level of live services support, analytics, to understand how to make it from an idea into a business, how to build a community across multiple social media platforms, will continue to do that. And I think those two things, combined with bringing brand advertisers into the space, that is what GameFan really is about, partnering with amazing creators, building world-class games for world-class IPs, and bringing the most innovative advertisers into the space in innovative ways those are going to continue to grow linearly for the next five years. And from five years from now, I predict we are all going to be wearing MR headsets all day <laughs>
1: and sleek one piece, all white right. bodysuits uh, to boot. That is quite a prediction. And I think that is the exact right place where we should end uh, today. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. I really I love the energy. I love the passion for what you're doing. Uh, I'm very excited about this space and I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me and hope to speak with you again. Soon. Absolutely. And of course, as always, a big thank you to all of our listeners. We'll be back next week with more interviews, more insights and more analysis from the weird and wonderful world of Web3 and the metaverse. So until next time, friends, stay crypto curious, check out the metaverse, go play Roblox, feel young again. Uh, and feel free to send questions, guest recommendations, and comments to me. My email is nico at nico.novic.co. Links in the show notes.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review.